615 presents Off the Record with Tom Lamore and Cami Fox. Off the Record 615. Off the Record. Yes, welcome back to 615 Off the Record podcast. I'm Tom Lamore, aka Tom the Lips, joined by my co host, Cami Fox. Cammy here, the co-host of the podcast, and today we have special guest, DJ, producer, all-rounder, Will Maiden, Will Wilkinson. All-rounder. Oh, I'll tell you what, mate, you're flattering me now, I'm, I'm blushing. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me on, guys. <laughs> no problem, how are you, Will? Uh, yeah, good, mate. I've uh, I've moved back home, I'm back in not very sunny Blackpool today, so back at the parents' Mm, until nice. all this shenanigans is over. Yeah, but yeah, being productive, doing some stuff every day. Good. All, all we can do at all the moment. Um, so, let's uh, tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what company you represent, and what the company does. But elaborate and tell us a little bit about what you do. It's that age-old question of speaking about yourself, isn't it? So, obviously, Will Maiden, I'm an open-format DJ uh, love playing house, disco, R&B, everything really. Grew up with parents and brothers listening to everything. So, yeah, music is a very key part of it. Uh, play a lot of clubs and bars, do a lot of the privates for obviously 615. And yeah, just having fun with it really. Do a bit of production on the side as well. Do do my own like, little bootlegs, keeps me busy during the day. Yeah, and brilliant. obviously, oh, well. just started to get into like the the whole live stream side of stuff now. We're being forced into that a little bit. Uh, it's obviously a subject that's going to be approached on uh, many of our upcoming podcasts. COVID-19 mm. and the current outbreak and uh, the lockdown, it's difficult for everyone. Um, actually, quite apt uh, to move on to the next question, which is how you market and promote your work obviously you're you're a signed artist of 615 um mm. covid aside because we don't want to get bogged down with that too much tell us a little bit about how you market and promote the the work and and, and the art and your art my art i think that's the first time you'll ever say my mixes are art tom so cheers <laughs> for that mate <laughs> it's usually a load of um <laughs> post nine o'clock words on TV. Um, basically, with what, what I do for my marketing is is basic, really. Just, um, obviously, Instagram's one of my main things that I push. So, doing high-quality stuff on there. Mixes is obviously like a DJ's CV, especially now. Yeah. What no platforms can... are you using for that? So, I started... Started doing YouTube stuff now, but I've been doing mixed cloud stuff for the last two years. Yeah, been putting out mix or two a month on there, just trying to build stuff. So there's a back catalogue of stuff there because obviously, initially, someone might see you in a club or come onto your Instagram page or get to see you somehow. Yeah. And then, if you've then got loads of back catalogue of stuff. Because obviously with me being an open format DJ, if I just had house mixes every single month, they'd be like, all right, well, I wanted an R&B DJ. So you've just got to put out everything. So like I say, mm. with the mixes, just try and keep it varied. Like I do a house and an R&B one every month, whether that's current R&B or throwback stuff, because 
the, not really a big fan of like all the new stuff. So it's mainly like the throwback stuff. Yeah. And then obviously some of the venues which we play, there's some like disco sort of like Motown influenced stuff. So I try and put a few of them up as well just to keep and everyone happy. These mixes, they've they've got quite high up in the um, Mixcloud charts a few times, haven't they? To, to be fair, yeah. Like, I've, I've had, not everyone, but like I say, you can't win them all. But I think with me doing it every single month, it helps, yeah. like, gain the traction. So if someone comes to your page and then they follow you, they then get an email notification if you put one up the next week and then... It, yeah. it just feeds into people's cycles that if, if they know that you release a mix every Thursday or Friday, then yeah. they're, they're then going to be expecting it. So it's just, the hard thing is, is keeping it constant because obviously with, with everyday life, you could be like, on a Wednesday, you could be like, crap, I've not recorded something for mm. this week. And then next thing you know, you're having to like rummage around. And so it's a lot to do with timing. I record a few of the mixes live because I think, when you're in the element of actually playing out in front of people, you, you play stuff differently rather than when you just sat at home mixing for yourself. Yeah. But yeah, like that, some of the mixes have done really well. Like I've done a couple of the house ones have got to like the top 10 in the world in the chart. There's a lot, cool. there's a lot, there's a lot of mixes out as well. I mean, oh, like you're telling me it's <laughs> every, every single person, especially now. Everyone's jumping on. Yeah, everyone's ha- everyone's being forced to do that. Uh, one thing yeah. that I'd say that I'd, I I love about you as a as an artist as a DJ is your knowledge of music for oh, well so how how young you are really. I don't mean that in a in a, any sort of condescension. Yeah. I just feel that ever since I've known you, and I, um, I'm, I can't remember now how old you were when we first met. Uh, I've always thought what a fantastic knowledge of music you've had. Tell us a little bit about how you have come about knowing so much about... I mean, more impressively is track recognition for me, I think, is mm. that it, you could probably recognise a track off the first couple of beats, any record yeah. that I played you. Like the superhuman <laughs> quiz machine. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, since, since this whole lockdown thing, we've been doing a family quiz every Sunday and, like... I, I bring all the points back when it comes to the music round, just because, like I said, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think it's just because, well, obviously I have to thank my mum and my dad. Shout out to Julie and Mark because yeah. when we were like when my mum used to take us to school every single day, and we always had disco on every single day. When you listen to a music like that from such a young age, like my dad, um, he was very much like a northern soul. Yeah. So I grew up listening to all that sort of stuff when he used to take us to rugby on a Sunday and then during the week it was disco for my mum. And then obviously yeah. I have I have three older brothers. So my oldest brother Tom, he listened to trance. Mm. And then my middle two brothers, Joe and Jack, they listened to R and B, like the, the late nineties, early two thousand stuff. And then yeah. Joe, when he was a bit older, started to listen to like more indie stuff like when Arctic Monkeys and the Coots yeah. and yeah. Um, everything like that started to come out so I've, like I say I've, I've grown up constantly listening to genres from the 60s all the way through to now obviously mm. and then when I've started to listen to music on my own and find out what I used to listen to I used to listen to like Happy Hardcore and Bounce when I was like a, a young rebel yeah. thinking like a Chavy days and then going back to like 
then starting to listen to when you start going out, you start listening to like the new R and B and the current house. And then like when I was like 15, 16, that's like as, as weird as a cliche as it sounds, that's when I first listened to house music. So that's yeah. when for me, that's when oh I first went out when I was sixteen. So my first ever night out was laid back Luke at Sankey's in Manchester. So from as soon as I walked in Naughty to, boy. to sank it oh, exactly. We're not Slap condoning underage. <laughs> we are not <laughs> condoning it at all. But like I say, when it's literally if 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 anyone that well a lot of people listening to this would have gone to the Sankeys in Manchester. When you walked in to that first room there when they used to just play like really cool tech house, that for me was like I walked in and I was like, what is this music? And obviously I sound really old now, but they didn't have like Shazam then, they didn't have anything. So then that's like when YouTube was first starting. So I remember, uh, oh, I actually know him quite well now, but he used to go under the name of the Dutch Rudder, who's Mark Bradbury. So he used to be the resident. So I actually YouTubed him and he had a couple of songs out. And then from that, you start listening to other artists and then all that sort of stuff where then you start developing and finding out and then like you find like Beatport and then you go into that. And then that's like when I started to get into that sort of stuff. Yeah. Was there a like, certain track what you what you heard when you was out and it hit you and you've all you'll always remember it? It's actually funny. So it's the, the first song I ever heard in a club ever. The first song I ever played in a club are both the same songs, and it actually happens to be my favourite house song. So it's finally Kings of Tomorrow. Oh wow! What yeah. So, like, as introductions to a genre of music go, as a as a sixteen year old kid walking into which was it was the number one club at the time in the world and hearing Kings of Tomorrow finally you, you sort of it, it makes a massive impact on you yeah. so that sort of stuff there I think it just massively that's when I was like right I need I want to do something with music for the rest of my life yeah it just hit you yeah. differently doesn't it, it just hit oh mate 100% like, and every time you hear that track now, when you play now, or when you do oh, play, you take mate, a little moment, don't you? Mate, you boys know, like when I, when I play that song out, I well and truly lose it. Yeah. Like I just go into my own little space, and it's just a, a little bit of euphoria for me. That yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Brilliant. Um, so moving on to a little bit about about the industry that we. That, that you're working in, that we're all working in. COVID, yeah. um, so lockdown and COVID aside, because obviously not a lot going on for us at the moment. What do you think the challenges of the industry have been for you? Getting noticed. And a lot, a lot when I was a bit like younger, Tom, you'll definitely back me up on this, was having the right attitude towards stuff. Mm. Especially in my, when I first started, especially with you guys, I learned very quickly you, you have to adapt in certain situations and in front of certain people and in certain venues you have to not act differently because obviously you still need to remain who you are but you just need to learn when to hold stuff back or speak a certain way it's like trying to adapt and then it's because you need to find out what you want from a situation and especially like when I first started because of like how young I was compared to other DJs that were playing in those venues, people would automatically sort of have a preconception of like, oh, there's a young kid. He doesn't know disco. Whereas in fact, I've actually listened to disco probably the same amount of time as people that are 10 years older than me. Mm. And 
that sort of stuff there where people will automatically half write you off before you've even started. Yeah, I think there's a lot of competition uh, in, oh, massively. In, very saturated market. In, in, well, in what you do, in, in yeah. terms of a DJ, there's an awful lot of competition out there. I'm sure yeah. people listening to this podcast now are DJs and have all had the struggles and trying to break through, even to some sort of level, where you're just maintaining a living. And I, I mm. take my hats off to, hat off to anyone who is... DJing for a living in whatever capacity it is because it's such a tough, like highly saturated marketplace for a young DJ to go into a venue. You do, oh, I think. Well, I think one of your about. I know you well, and I think it's fair to, fair for me to sort of say that you know you have matured, and you know some of the problems earlier on that we've all experience with you was so that cocky attitude and that arrogance but you do sort of need that in order to drive yourself into this industry there's got to be something about you I've got to be a bit ballsy to get into places 100% like so the thing is it's like I always remember there was a time when I was playing neighbourhood Manchester there's a a kid well I say a kid I sound quite condescending saying that he must have been 18 and he came over, it was it was two o'clock in the morning, it was a Saturday night, it was absolutely like rammed going off, did hit capacity, there was bottles going everywhere, a really, really good vibe going on. He just came over with a USB stick. And I, mm. I think I'd gone to the toilet or I'd gone for a smoke or whatever it was, but I was, I'd left the deck for two minutes. And he told the bouncer that he was my mate. Right. And he basically jumped on the decks, unplugged my stuff and put a USB in. And I was like, I came back because obviously, I think the jet that Anthony, the general manager, he uh, he came outside or he grabbed me from somewhere, and he came back in and he was like, "Well, what the hell is this guy doing?" He was like, "Oh, I thought I thought I could just jump on." I was like, "Mate, I would literally gone away. I must have. I think it was. I must have gone for a, a smoke. I think." I was like, "Mate, I'd literally left the decks for a minute," and yeah. I told the pouncer, "I was like, just don't like the usual thing. Don't let anyone jump on." But obviously, he must have told the bouncer who was with me. Yeah. And then he, he just jumped on and like, that's the complete far end of the spectrum. But then you have like yeah. the other end of the spectrum where someone will timidly walk up to you and be like, I'm a, I'm a DJ. And it's mm. like, you, you are, if you're in a venue, which we all know that it was in like a bit of an intimidating place at times neighbourhood Manchester, and you're coming up timidly asking when I'm in the heat of what I'm doing, I'm my brain's fully focused on making the people in front of me dance and you're timidly walking up and going, oh, can I, uh, can, can, can I, I'm a DJ, can, can I have like five minutes of your time? Like, you've got the, the end of the spectrum where the guy comes on and pretty much shoves me off. Yeah, but... so and then so you've got the taking, guy who's timid. Yeah, so taking those examples into, into consideration, I know of definitely one very successful duo where one of the two used to do that on big DJ sets and basically shove a USB in and say, play my track. I'm guessing we're not naming names. No, I won't, I won't name names, <laughs> but I know, I, know it's, I know that that definitely happened and that was, and they filmed it and that was part of their success. It wasn't Manchester. all about their success. No, yeah. It, it, Manchester was, one. It helped, yeah. I also know that well, if you don't ask, you don't get. So yeah. you, you go, you can ask, and most no most DJs are going to turn around and go, 
Nah, mate. But remember that at one stage that was you. Yeah. Likewise, I've been in that same position before. Mm. where I've been doing the networking and I, I approached it in a slightly different way to that, I must admit, as a sax player. I never did go, let me play your sax. I'd never ask that. It's something that I really don't, I yeah. don't enjoy being asked. Yeah. Uh, and I know Cami will be the same on percussion, but I'll give you an example of where we did something similar. And you discussed that now. As 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 a... As a um, <laughs> I know exactly uh, what you're going right. to say. <laughs> yeah. as, as a DJ, you have been put into a position either by your management or out of your own doing where yeah. you've managed to get a gig whether that was asking a DJ that was playing or asking a promoter or offering your services to someone in some way or being approached by the marketing that you've been doing online yeah but you've given two scenarios there where at both points you'd be like mate what are you doing get off the decks or sorry mate now nah, I'm in the middle of a gig mm. uh, I'll give you one example <laughs> that we were doing an international wedding in Mate, you've, you've, got a, you've got an intellect like just inject here that we'd been drinking all day hang on hang on yeah that's beside <laughs> the point rewind rewind we don't, we don't want to be uh, no so to be fair for anybody listening that's a client we uh, we were enjoying a drink with our client that also was actually a personal friend of mine anyway so we weren't just drinking yeah. on the job it also wasn't the wedding day. So just to clear that up for anybody yeah. thinking, oh, these lads are unprofessional. <laughs> We're not. We'd had a couple of drinks and uh, we, Will and I had basically gone out. There was a club underneath our hotel and I think I'd asked the guy in the door who was the manager, I'd say, Look, basically, we're here on an international wedding. He's a DJ, I'm a sax player. Uh, we've worked for such and such a brand uh, in the past. Do you fancy giving us a go? And he, and to, I mean, I was amazed, but he actually said, yeah. And he chucked his resident DJ off and put me and Will on. And I, could all, I can just remember seeing the DJ's face looking at us like, who the hell are these two English lads? Obviously, I had a couple, oh, of, couple of beers or whatever, but obviously, that was, it was all in good fun. And, and just to reiterate, it was a friend of mine. Uh, we were at their wedding, and it wasn't the wedding day, and we weren't being unprofessional. So just to just to put that out there. But that, for me, is is something that we have to do, it, the, the DJs and artists deal with uh, a lot, and it is a challenge. No, how is how, a, many, how many times, like on the flip side of that, how many times have you seen a gig? where it's either been a private party and it's not been discussed before or we're at a club and a manager's mate or the owner's mate or someone's mate who has some influence in the venue or the party or whatever it is goes, oh, my mate's a DJ. Oh, yeah, no. Can you let him jump on for a bit? Which you you don't mind. You don't mind if it's someone that you know. But like I say... When at the times both at Naval, it was random people. Mm. Yeah, I know, which I get... So moving on, where uh, what's your opinion on where you see the industry going? Right, either right now or looking further into the future. Where where do you see the industry going? Back when I was at uni, I actually wrote my dissertation on this, so good question, mate. Basically, I think the way that everything's going, you you, I think you both back me up on this. Clubs are a dying thing, so like just clubs. Yeah, just night venues. Okay, I think you can. You, there's evidence to back that up all across the northwest. Like, look at Manchester. Yeah, we've all, we've already seen a big big turn and a trend in uh, dining and dining. Dancing. But it's, it's it's more it's more the the bar venue. So somewhere where you can go after yeah, work, yeah. 
somewhere where you can go with your missus, somewhere where Uslock could go, somewhere where you could go on your own if you just wanted a beer, that yeah. sort of thing. Yes. A nightclub doesn't offer you that. A nightclub no. is you go, you get drunk, you dance to very loud music, you can't have a conversation. Bars are the complete opposite. Bars are a social environment where if you want to dance, you can dance. Mm. If you want to chat, you can chat. If you want to have a little mooch around, you can have a mooch around. Club. It's a one-stop shop. Well, it's more specifically restaurant bars is where we've seen it. So your your neighbourhood, Victor's, uh, Foodwell, Firefly, uh, just sticking to a couple of brands. Um, There's plenty more, but that we have seen that as a trend. So that's that's definitely something that's already happening. And like I say, the, the, the... the thing that has over like replaced clubs is one-off events. Like you look at Warehouse Project Manchester, it has a season now, and every single season it'll sell out. So instead of just going to see me play at a club on a Friday and Saturday, you can once a month pay fifteen quid more. So you're paying twenty-five, thirty quid to entry, and you're seeing DJs that are world class. Mm. You are seeing artists that are charging 10 grand a booking fee and there's like five of them on a lineup and you're in this like the depot mm. the Mayfield depot in Manchester like every single one of them was pretty much sold out it's an experience so it's not just going to a club and especially with and this isn't taken away from club DJs because we all know a lot of very good club DJs but the mass majority of I don't want to stereotype but if you think of your run of the mill venues that are in every single small town in big city a lot of the DJs will play similar music week in, week out mm. to a certain point. The same music because... Yeah, but they're, they're your safe brands. So, for example, Revolution. Yeah. You, put, you put that into that category, probably, but Revolution is a brilliant business model. It's a, it's if, if you, Everybody goes somewhere new. If you see a Revs, you'd go in it because you know what you're getting. Right? Any, city, any city as well. Uh, and that's I mean, where you know that is a comfortable that people feel more comfortable in somewhere they know and that's the benefit behind a big brand like that if you then compare I'm just I'm used to Manchester a lot here just because that's my experience I'm sure Cammy there's things that are like it leads like mid warehouse and stuff like that yeah yeah that, that will have a season or not week in week out like Sankey's Manchester when it was open week in week out it had world class DJs and I think yeah. that oversaturated it Whereas if you do it once a month or for a season yeah. where you know on a fr- Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there is drum and bass Thursday, house music Friday, techno, whatever, and then whatever it is on a Sunday. If you know for a fact that for the entire year you're going to have three months of that, then you're not going to want to go to Revs and listen to No Scrubs, into Family Affair, into, like, do you know what I mean? That that sort of stuff where it's the mundane everything, and you, if you could, uh, if you had a, on a plate where you could go to this place and listen to the same music and get bumped into and then get your drinks spilt on and then there's probably some lads fighting in the corner, you could go to a nice bar where you could have a nice chat, listen to something a little bit different. That sort of, like, I'm, I'm thinking, in, like, immediately, like, food well and Firefly. The vibe in there is completely different. Like, there's people our age and, mm. like, our guy's age, and then there's people like my mum and dad's age and there's people a bit younger, but it's something which is completely different. And I think that's why it's been so successful. Because I think yeah. people are just getting so fed up now of that stereotypical British night out. Like, don't get me wrong, it's, it's all cool and you can do it every now and then, but doing that every single week... 
Yeah, and I think that given the situation right now, I think that's going to force changes onto a lot of places. So you're going to have smaller venues that can operate with a smaller capacity. Yeah. So taking for this is just a get. This is just us, you know, taking a bit of a, a guess at like say they give us a restriction to no more than fifty people in a venue at one time, right? Yeah. And they have to be sat two metres apart from each group from any other table, which would mean venues have to rearrange. Some venues would not be able to survive on 50 capacity at a time, but some of the smaller venues would. But would that change people's habit or would they still, as soon as that lock's lifted and they can go back to a normal thing, are they still going to go straight back out to a mass event, say your warehouse project, three, four thousand, are they going to go straight back out and go to that as soon as they can? You know, it's a difficult uh, one to predict, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think, like you said, I think it's definitely going to force change for the everyday run of the mill. So, but that's good because... I think people are going to be more vigilant as well when they're out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Much more vigilant. I don't know if it's just because we all work in like four or five times a week ring bars and clubs and stuff, but... If I was to go on a night out, say if me and Tasha or, or whoever it is to go on a night out, then we wouldn't we wouldn't go to a Rebs. No, but that's us we, personally. No, but I'm it's... saying there's a, there's a lot of people like that. Like I say, I don't know, like in Blackpool, Rebs is the busiest place. Yeah. But that 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 people in Blackpool are happy doing that. They're, they're, happy, they're happy doing that. But like when you go to more city areas, people want more niche stuff. They want, yeah. they want more. They, yeah. they, they don't just want to go. They want to drink nice cocktails. They want to sit in a nice environment. They want yeah. nice music. Because we're in different environments, playing in bars, clubs, private events all over. It takes a lot for us to be inspired and feel excited about something. So when something does, something is niche and different, we are we're excited about it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because but you've got... Yeah, I think that's, def- that's a definite for... For us guys that are on there, out in in it all the time, you are looking yeah. for that. And I wouldn't necessarily go anywhere other than a nice restaurant anymore. And that no. might be just because I'm I'm getting old, but I just don't. It doesn't appeal to me to do that. Mo- moving on, and quite an important question, and and it's quite useful. To, it's going to be quite useful for a lot of the listeners. How do you personally deal with being very busy? during stressful times or difficult times and you know what do you do to you know sort of control that and and help yourself during those times i think being as a, as a dj having this isn't being big-headed but people have a high expectation when you get to a certain level and i think that's why i've been able to do this as a living so far is you have to get new music. You have to do, you have to put the hours in. It's not like there's a magic button where I can press something and download the top 100 songs, which a lot of people will do. You've literally got to sit there, go through the music, put the hot cues in, put this time prepping. Like I literally must do four hours a day, five hours every single day of going through new music and listening to bits and thinking, what can I do with this? What can I do with that? Mm. So then to bring it back to the point, so I know no matter how busy I am 
on a weekend. I like I have a, I have sort of like a schedule I'll do Wednesday to Sunday every week. So I know for a fact Monday I'll usually spend time with Tash. We'll do we'll go out, we'll take dog out, whatever it is. Tuesday, I'm then thinking, right, let's what have I got for the week coming up? Have I got a specialist event? Have I got am I playing at a club which is more along like one genre or the other genre so then I will then adapt what I'm looking for and basically prep so say if we have a wedding I will have in my Serato say if I have a wedding Wednesday, Thursday, Friday Saturday, Sunday every single day I will have everything prepped so when I turn up to that gig I know for a fact that I don't have to do anything mm-hmm. so then that takes a massive thing off because obviously with weddings you're playing hopefully the person's biggest day of their life or a day which means an incredibly large amount. So say yeah. if you get the first dance wrong, that's our, usually the first track which we play. If if you get that wrong, you've, you've cocked up their entire day. Mm-hmm. So having that pressure on you, if you can take pressure off your mind to prep for a wedding and you need to basically get the first dance, if they've got a father-daughter dance, get that one mm-hmm. and then get any requests that they've got throughout the night and then basically start to not pre-plan it, but then you've got to think, say if, if the bride's mother really loves a Motown song, mm-hmm. you're obviously going to start building that around. You're sort of half getting an idea of how you're going to play the night from the request. Obviously, yeah. when you get there, it might be completely different. Prepping is obviously a, a great way to try and reduce anxiety as a DJ in terms of going oh, into yeah. your set not knowing what's going on. But for example, I know you've, you know, personally been affected by like a, a health issue due to stress and yeah. anxiety in a busy time where you could have five, six, seven gigs in a week. Is there anything outside of the prep? Like, is there anything you would do or anything you could advise that is good, like, I don't know, exercise, diet? And well, it could be anything to do that you reduce that helps you take your mind off mm. and, and the, control got, the stress. You've got to have, obviously, Everything that I've said is basically invest all your time into this. But then again, you've also got to have time away from music. You've got to have time away from your phone. And for me, on a, on a normal day, I'd wake up and just walk the dog for like mm. an hour every morning. Every morning. Because then I leave my phone at home. Because then you, you then, you then, you then like on your own with your thoughts, you're not getting distracted by a WhatsApp group pinging every two seconds because someone wants something from you that can wait an hour. That hour in the morning there is literally just like, right, I've got this to do later. And then you sort of like half plan out your day Mm. in your head. Um, Meditation is a massive one. And I've got to thank my brother for putting me onto that. Um, So that is like, I couldn't recommend it more because obviously... Tom, you know what it's like. When your head is going a thousand miles an hour and then yeah. you've got your phone going and it all it all builds up inside your head. Yeah. To have that thing where you literally just calm mm. everything down. You turn the volume down of everything in your head. You basically yeah. just bring everything back down to this normal state and then you think a lot more clearly about it. Yeah. And like I say, that, that hour in the morning helps massively. Mm. And then... I'd usually do it on a Sunday, so mm. after the entire weekend's done, all the mm. gigs are done, and it's just like a sort of calm and reset. 
and then it just brings you back down because obviously when you gig it, your mind's going full on for four hours. You're constantly observing the crowd. You're constantly thinking, right, mm. how am I going to build this over the next hour? How am I going to build this for the next three hours? How am I going to build? How am I going to get those people there dancing? How am I going to get? How am I going to bring them up? How am I going to make sure that them guys there don't kick off? There's a lot, a lot of pressure on the DJ because the DJ does set the tone for the whole, yeah, the whole night. But the, 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 the DJ can literally be the difference between an incredible night or just a good night or a very banned average night. Mm. And we all know that. You guys will know that as artists. Say, if you're about to go on and do a high-energy set, if the DJ doesn't deliver high-energy tracks and quick mixing and things that know the, get the crowd really going for it, then you guys are just stood there like, come on, like, take it up. Mm. That's why you know we I mean? trust... That's why when... We've done, me, Tom, and you have done private events or bar and club ones. We trust you to tell us yeah. where to go on because you know the vibe, you set the vibe, and you'll usually say, give it five minutes, give it ten minutes, and we'll yeah. sit back and you'll build it and you'll tell us when to go on. So having that, that skill to read the crowd and say, right, I want you to jump on in five. Yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Like, don't get me wrong, and it's not taking anything away from you guys, but if you think of like, an, an analogy is like, if you think of the full evening from the first moment you press play on a track to the end of the evening, if you think that is like a house, like the foundations of everything is the DJ. The DJ is the constant from the beginning to the end. Mm. The DJ is like, you guys are the thing that bring it up. But then when you guys go off, if the DJ doesn't keep it at a similar level up here, then it's going to rock it back down. Mm. And then this, you've got this topsy-turvy night then. And then you're going to be like, the feedback you'll get is, oh, the artists were incredible. Everyone will forget the bit in the middle. Whereas if yeah. you could, yeah. you guys will have seen it. Like, you guys go off. And if the DJ doesn't then up his game from a place where the energy is already massively high, if the DJ then doesn't bring another different type of energy into the room, it flops completely and the dance yeah. floor will literally just clear yeah. and the energy for the entire evening is just gone. And so I can say, going back to your point, kind of the, the pressure and on the DJ, like the DJ is the night and then you guys come and then add this extra complex, different level to it. But like I say, the DJ is the constant throughout the evening. So how did you first collaborate with 615 and how, how, did, how, did, how did you meet Obviously, the likes of Tom. So, Dax. the first time I ever met anyone from 615, it was Daxy Boy. So, mm -hmm. Daniel Dax Smith. Dax mm -hmm. on Sax, for anyone who knows him as his artist name. Mm -hmm. um, we, I was playing at a venue in St. Anne's, which is near Blackpool, at a club uh, for a promoter. It was me and a friend who was playing back-to-back -back at the time. And Dax had been booked for it. I think it was a Randy Ron event. From that gig that we'd met, Dax had then messaged me because I think you were looking after Mojitos at the time in Lytham. Um, yeah, yeah. And then someone had dropped out last minute. So then Dax had asked... No, it wasn't. It was above when... No, it was, yeah, it was where uh, John Buffalo Velvet, was. Yeah, so above Velveteen when it was Henry's. Henry's bar. Yeah, Henry's. Yeah. Wow. yeah, so... And yeah, cheers, cheers for this, Dax, actually. It was actually a wedding, but he didn't tell me it was a wedding. So basically, I went and picked up the kit, and then I turned up at this gig. I must have been 17, 18 at the time. And they were like, yeah, we're ready for the first dance now. And I was like, what? <laughs> Bear in mind, I was this house DJ at the time. And uh, 
No, didn't throw me in at the deep end, but... Well, that's what we normally do. Well, yeah. <laughs> so any potential future items for 615 deep ends. Oh, by the way, just to, uh, again, cover ourselves, we don't put uh, first-time DJs on. <laughs> I'm just about to say that. <laughs> that was yeah, back you... in the early days, that was. Yeah. So then from that, then um, Dax then messaged me saying, oh, I heard you did well. Like, would you like to come meet me and my business partner, Tom, and thingy? Yeah. So then we came and met. We had a little chat. I was absolutely bricking it. I think I had a full, like, three-piece suit on because I didn't know what to expect. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, we got we got speaking from there and then obviously that's when we started out with our first couple of different, like, little residencies that we had. The first time I met you, Tom, was when, when I used to do Manchester, when I used to do Base Face for Daily and uh, Sammy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because right, I, I was a resident down there. So big shouts to Ryan Croft, actually, because he got me that gig. Yeah, so I usually do that every single Wednesday in the basement. And then mm. they booked you to come down and play. And yeah. I, actually, I actually remember filming you and sending it to my mum going, this guy's pretty decent, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Good Next thing you know, I'm, that's what, six years later I'm working with. Yeah, so. yeah it was. Amazing. Yeah, that'll have been 2014. Probably that. Yeah, that yeah, was. But I think that was as we just set up the business. Um so yeah, 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 no, it was. So tell tell us what you think then, uh, and, and be kind. What do you think? <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> what do you think of six fifteen and, and the people behind the brand? It's it's family, isn't it? As cliche as it sounds, it is. It's a family. It's it's a it's a cut above. Obviously, everyone that's on the books is incredibly talented and like the best at what they do, but. It's, it's the network and the friends. And like I say, the, the core team, as well as like all the artists, there's, there's a feeling of like together on it. And like yeah. I say, that, that's not to say that there's not been some artists that have broken that, but they've, like, they've been swifted off. And like the people that are on the team, like the core team now, like I say, like, I, I clash with all this family. Because like, we've, we've all been through so much stuff together. Like good, bad, everything. Yeah. And mm. a constant that I've always known, like Tom, I know for a fact that you've wanted to fill my head in a few times. <laughs> Dax and Dax has saved me. <laughs> and then vice versa. And like I'm not violent, me, by the way. He's, yeah, he's, he's not violent. Not violent, by the way. Roll my sleeves up. <laughs> but like, but like, like I say, the, the, the thing that's been a constant is that I always know that I can rely on you. And yeah. it's, it's that, it's that, it's, and I think that's what sets us apart obviously like we're all mega talented at what we're doing everyone's sick but I think it shows on a performance that people see that there's a connection between us lot like yeah. say if us three are on a gig oh, people will see that I know tracks that will get Cammy going and lose his stuff Tom I know exactly the same tracks with you you know that when you do that glide note thing that I lose my absolute mind Cammy like you know for a fact when I'm going to drop the track out to do your little fill things and mm. give everyone like their own little bit of limelight and yeah and that's that's relationship building yeah, yeah it is yeah, yeah. and up. obviously like it's that's from years and years and years of playing together but it's also because we're so close as mates mm. as well yeah. when we're enjoying an event when we're all together having a laugh that but when people can see that as well yeah it makes their night as well because when we're all enjoying it having fun the whole night becomes like it doesn't oh, feel mate. like work. You know what I mean? People chill out then. We've all been at, at like 
venues and events where people are so uptight and it's just like just relax man you can see that you're like uptight and stuff if people see you having fun it makes it then relaxes them yeah uh, that is that that is down to to the, to the chemistry and the artists and yeah. like you said there, six fifteen does have the best talent. I know I'm biased, but it does. That's what we've spent a lot of time developing and building mm-hmm. and taking mm-hmm. recommendation and watching people and develop and helping develop younger artists as yeah. well. Uh, it's a great and it is. It's great. It's a great family. So this next question, uh, you know, what? I am going to answer this first question, but I'm going to tell you it first. Any funny stories whilst working with six fifteen? I'm right. going to kickstart off. Oh, mate, don't mention Croatia. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? oh mate, that was, a, that was hardly funny. That was almost a disaster. We are going to talk about that after. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that, was what, that was the one I was going to mention, to be fair. Oh, oh you got to explain it, haven't you? Yeah, so we all, we all got booked to play at one of Tom's good friend's wedding. That's one of my groomsmen. Groomsman, yeah. Harrison. Yeah. Um, Harrison and Jen. Yeah. And um, yeah, obviously, obviously the trip over, you know, through the cast straight away back was all in the airport. It was like dead early. And obviously, I remember we just we just made this agreement like we'll 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 get on the we'll get on the beers and stuff. And uh, we me I've still got videos of it and me and Will are trying to keep up with you, Tom, but we literally had no chance. Right, can, we just, uh, <laughs> can we just lay off on the drinking stories? Oh, yeah, so, Tom's not an alcoholic, by we, the way. We've, all, we've already dropped Stop one this. about getting drunk on somebody's... Uh, that's a base, so, yeah. <laughs> that, that was actually the story I was going uh, to talk about. I was going to get to the point where, um, obviously, when me and Will got to our hotel room, we half star one, which we found out, and um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, Will needed a shower at the time, and oh uh, when we got into the bathroom, there was literally a hole in the wall. Literally a hole. And when he turned it on, the water just went out. <laughs> horizontally. It was just like one speed, one heat out. And oh, my God. All I could hear was Will just screaming from the bathroom. saying, hey, Carrie, you need to check this shower out. And for some reason, I had my phone on me and I got a recording of him attempted to have a shower with water. <laughs> yeah, but, but then... Uh, the biggest event that happened on that one was that your hotel room got broken, got broken into, into the night before the wedding. Oh. And, and Will got his headphones and his USBs stolen from the room, got back from a meal. So we've been out for some dinner. Uh, obviously, we're all going to get an early night. Wedding's the next day. I've gone back to the room. Will have gone back to their hotel room. And I get a phone call. Um, hey, it might be worth saying here, I was at a, I was staying at a different hotel. Uh, nice four and a half star. to be wife, just because we were guests at the wedding as well. So I was going to be going down to the to the ceremony and stuff like that. And Will and Cammy were going to be setting up uh, and do, doing ready for the sort of the start of the evening. And we'd all gone back to get an early night. I'm sure Will had been, Burnley were on telly, I'm sure, and he'd been winding They, they up were, mate. That. You know why? Because they're, they're playing Rovers and we, and we won. Yeah. And yeah, if anybody that's... doesn't know, I'm a big Burnley fan. I've been all my life and Tom's a, a Rovers fan. Ooh. So I took my laptop because your hotel had internet and we streamed it, mate. <laughs> well, yeah, and then, yeah, that was it. And then you'd gone back and I got a phone call as I'm half asleep and Will... <laughs> Tom, you need to come, mate. Mate, we've been broken to me for hours. Like, nah, you haven't. And I you was won't go. You, 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 won't go. 
I was like, and I remember saying to Cammy, I was like, no, mate, no. He's hung up on me, mate. I was like, the f***s hung up on me. <laughs> we'll bleep that out um, yeah and then I, I, I've uh, obviously then it's wrong again and I've said you've, please tell me you're joking you're like no mate then we, you've come round to my room and Frantically we've spent all night with, uh, downloading tunes I think Ash Malone one of our other DJs Ash T I think he sent us basically all the records that he had and to be fair this is where Good deeds do you well because I remember that I'd sent all of my music to Ash about a month before. And I remember ringing him going, you know, all that music. I was like, yeah, A, sorry, it's four in the morning. Uh, B, all my stuff's been nicked and every single bit of music that I've sent you, you need to send me back, please. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> and yeah. luckily you had your headphones and your USBs. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So someone in Havar in Croatia has got an absolute... God's Bo- gold load of tunes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we've been I mean that is it was it's funny looking back on it, but actually at the time it wasn't at all. Mate, uh, we, we we and to be fair, how how we how we pulled it off. I remember you that telling was an Arison, amazing, amazing party though. Yeah, I remember oh, you telling Harrison in the morning, being yeah. like, just don't don't tell Jen, but Will's had all his stuff nicked. Yeah. <laughs> Not to panic though. No, because he was like, it you, uh, he came up to me and went, mate, are you all right? You look tired. I was like, I am. I've been up all night getting shoes. I'm going to music. Right, madness. Right, so we're going to go into our final round, uh, which is the quick fire questions. Uh, Cammy always starts us off with this. So, fire away, Cam. Will, who go. is your celebrity doppelganger? My celebrity doppelganger? Yeah. yeah. From whose perspective? Well, whoever you've been told you look like. Um, I've been told I look a little bit like Seth Rogen. I agree with that, yeah. A oh, little. Okay, bit. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of a um, yeah, actually, yeah, I can see that. I've been told I look like James Corden, pre-beard, mm. slightly chunkier. Yeah. I probably would do. Yeah. Who else, who, who else said something? <laughs> I remember you being called the fat Josh Butler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was at AD. That was. I'll tell you what, you like a fat Josh Butler. I was like, what? Has he just said that? I was like, um, no. Thanks. No. What? Is that that a compliment or no? I'm not sure it is. To be fair, um, I, I can I can see the, the chunky Josh. I'll, I'll take chunky Josh Butler. You look like the, you look like the grandpa of up a little bit. Jeez, <laughs> oh, nah. Here he is. <laughs> right, right. What's your favourite cheese? Mozzarella. Oh, it's good choice. It is a good choice. Caprese salad. Oh, yeah. I took Laura to that restaurant on our honeymoon. Oh, you know, man. unbelievable. Oh, yeah, that that gig in Sorrento when we just ate caprese salad. Yeah, and, pe- and pizza. <laughs> I've, I've got a question for you. You're not going to like it. Obviously, I know your favourite percussionist is me, so we're going to leave me out of it. <laughs> Modest. <laughs> who do you who do you prefer playing with on a gig? Tom DeLips or Dax on Saturday? Um, to be fair, and you'll actually be surprised, I get asked this a lot. So, and my answer is always the same. If I'm wanting it to go off, off energy-wise, Dax, because Tom will agree with me, no one rivals Dax's energy at all. No, but, 100%, no. And you'll, you'll know this because 
you've played both of my brother's weddings. To listen to, and this isn't taking anything away from Dax and his playing, but to listen to, and as an artist and who I want to... I, who I would love to listen to. Like, I could listen to Tom all day, every day, and not get bored. And that's not saying that I wouldn't listen to Dax's music, but there's two different types. Like, Tom is... You, like the lines that you play, I'm like, holy crap, holy sugar. It's it's just it's just nice. But the, nice. In, in terms of energy, Dax Dax will always do that because Tom's got a dodgy yeah. list. So hundred percent. It's not just that. He's just the energy master. He yeah, just, it, he just brings it. He just brings it. To, doesn't he? he just brings he's, it. He's like, he's, he's, he's like a ten year old who's had way too many e numbers. It's like Tigger on speed. <laughs> Tigger on, <laughs> <Take her> on speed. <laughs> but yeah, no, fa- thank you for that. Now, my oh, my last question is, and actually, to be fair, I was going to ask you what your favourite track of all time was, but I think you answered that at the beginning. Have, so we're going to go answered. on to what is your favourite film of all time? You should know this because at your wedding, you had one of the songs before... And and this is this is a complete curveball. People do not expect this, but my favourite film of all time is up. Is it? Yeah. Oh yeah, and we had it as the um, you did the well the the outro to the ceremony. You did, mate. Ted shows that. Yeah, go on, Teddy. But yeah, that my favourite film of all time is up, just because it's just an incredible film. I have a lot of happy memories that are associated with it, and it's also just a a great film and Brilliant. the soundtrack is insane I'm chucking one last one in is the earth round or flat if anybody <laughs> doesn't know Tom is the worst conspiracy theorist ever and uh, every single artist ever. every single artist that does a gig with you where you end up sat in a Mackey's car park at four in the morning and well no just uh... Tom <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> yeah, every, everybody my, will my, know my diet's brilliant <laughs> Everyone will know that Tom will somehow, some way, you could be speaking about the gig and Tom will literally just be sat there and he'll just come out and say, forests aren't real. Right, oh, there is no, no forest on the earth. That's that right, right, but let's, just one sec, let me stop you there. Jeez, answer, two miles long. Answer the question, is the <laughs> earth round or flat? It's round. Good lad. Well, well answered. Right, that's it. That's a wrap. Um... Thank Thanks you very much for having me on. Yeah, boys. no, fa- really thanks for coming it. on, mate. It's great. Good chat. Good to get a bit of an insight from from one of our our DJs um, and someone with so much experience on on the road gigging. Cammy. Yeah, thanks for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I'll put all our social links in the description, and maybe you might be able to hear one of Will's mixes on Mixlab as well. Hopefully, I like yeah. the plug, mate. I like the plug. So that's it from us. Thank you once again for joining us and listening to 6.15 Off The Record podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I'm your host, Tom DeLips, joined by Cammy Fox. See you soon. 6.15 Off The Record. <laughs>